3: That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. We have a lot of show today. A lot. So we got the World Economic Forum going on. We got this New Zealand woman, Jacinda Ardern, who basically conceded before her election, I guess. Or, you know, she's resigning uh, as of February 7th. She was the biggest globalist dictator Going, I don't know. I mean, they're they're all pretty bad. Uh, Whether it's Justin Trudeau or Joe Biden locking up J six prisoners for years when they didn't do anything. The only person that should be locked up related to J six is Michael Bird, that dude that shot Ashley Babbitt. But other than that, and and perhaps uh, Nancy Pelosi for for staging this whole, you know, staging a whole uh, infiltration of a a so-called and calling it an insurrection to uh, get rid of Trump. But then the good flip side, the good news, Trump is back on Twitter. Trump is going to be back on Twitter. That's the word. And also he's petitioned to get back on Facebook. He's got millions and millions, hundreds of millions of outreach, and he needs to tap into that. Uh, Truth Social is not getting it done for him. Um, he's already been invited back by Elon Musk, and we'll see what happens. But uh, he will the word is he's going to start tweeting. I always thought that was an opportunity missed. But then again, he let it build up enough to where it's going to be very powerful for him. And uh, when you look at Jacinda Adern and you look at what a globalist tyrant she was. You have to realize that whatever David is doing to Goliath, it's working. Because over at the World Economic Forum right now in Davos, people are running for the hills. Larry Fink is running for the hills. Uh, Charles, uh, uh, Charles Schwab. Charles um, uh, Schwab. Klaus Schwab is running for the hills, running from independent reporters. And it's become quite clear, quite clear that that you have these major institutions, these corporate media are bought and paid for. Because as soon as they ask, who are you with? And the person says, I'm an independent journalist. They get shut down. Because they're not controlled media. It's sort of like when Joe Biden gets up there on the podium and he starts saying, I got a list of people. If I stray from the list, I'll get in big trouble. The leader of the free world that can't spell his name. And it has documents all over the place now. Classified documents. Two standards of justice. Open borders. And now they have a debt ceiling that's crashed We've already surpassed the debt ceiling. They're going to want to raise the debt even more. And frankly, Kevin McCarthy uh, gave a really great comment on that. So we have a all of the things I just talked about, including CNN shutting down their Atlanta headquarters. Trust me, folks, this pushback is working. We're the David and they're the Goliath. Yes, that's true. It's true that what Joe Biden said, uh, that you'll need F-15s, man, not a- AR-15s. AR-15 is not going to get the job done against an F-15. So you come with the government, we're going to go ahead and bomb the crap out of you. That's how that's how a leader of uh, who gets 81 million votes uh, talks to his people, right? He never got 81 million votes. You don't talk like that. When you have 81 million voters behind you. And there's more to that, too. You know, so much more. And George Soros is a part of it. And World uh, Klaus Schwab is a part of it. And you know one thing I've been saying, and I feel vindicated a little bit. Well, not vindicated, because I knew I was right. But I've been saying to you all, I said, what the World Economic Forum is, it's a... It's a broker. It's a hub. It's where government leaders and corporations come to meet to where corporations get guarantees of access to markets and leaders get corporations to do their dirty work for them that their constitutions hamstring them for. So like, for example, we have a constitution that binds the government into regulating the government to not allowing them to do the things they would like to do to people. Mask mandates comes to mind. Vaccine jabs comes to mind. Religious freedoms, freedom of speech, censorship. You can go on and on. Social media, big tech, censoring, doing the dirty work for the government. And the government says, well, that's a private matter. That's a private company. They can do whatever they want. They're not bound to the Constitution. And it turns out, guess what? We found out that we have our own little world economic forum right here in River City. And that is that the government is working with the private sector to carry out their dirty laundry or carry their dirty water to bypass the Constitution to infringe on people's civil liberties and and rights and freedoms of speech. And we know now know that the FBI has been directly involved with this. We know that the CIA was waging a coup against Trump. We know the CIA, CIA murdered JFK. You know, nobody even wants to talk about it. With new document releases and the exposure of Ruth Payne and Michael Payne, her husband connected with the CIA, and all of that, we know for with that with a, a degree of certain certainty that the CIA was directly uh, involved. We actually played a clip with Ruth Payne, and we played a clip with um, Frank Sturgis. And we were able to connect the JFK assassination with the Watergate break-in. And these were all coups against presidents that were uninsured, whether it be JFK, whose policies were very reminiscent of Donald Trump's, actually, in a lot of ways. And he was dealing with a government bureaucracy that was evil and deadly. And President Nixon was also dealing with a government and a bunch of spooks at the CIA and the intelligence community. So Chucky e. Schumer, crocodile tears, Schumer was right when he says the intelligence community will, get, have, will, will have six ways till Sunday to get back at you if you rub them the wrong way. I say it's time we get rid of the CIA and to hell with them bunch of academic morons with pocket protectors who think they're so smart and they they think they're so clever they think they're the smartest people in the room and they're just nothing but the same kind of employees you find at twitter uh that were like um you know soy boys are basically the cia a bunch of soy boys they're not tough guys they're not tough guys they're a bunch of soy boys at the FBI How else Would they decide to strap up and arm themselves with bulletproof vests and helmets and all kinds of stupid stuff to break into Roger Stone's house in the dawn in the early dawn with a CNN crew or raid a former president's house like at Mar-a-Lago with a CNN crew notifying the media staging this whole thing. Greta Thunberg you should see we saw the off tape of her getting arrested in Germany in the name of climate. And she was laughing with the cops. And then they were holding and they were like, ready, lights, camera, action. And then she's walking off the set in you know, as a martyr to climate. What a fraud these people are. These people are total frauds. They're totally lying to you. And just recently, we had a couple of wins. I mean, Jacinda Ardern is a big get. And she's gone now. And thank goodness for the people of New Zealand. So where do we start with all of this? We have to get started because we have a lot of clips to play. Let's start with our own debt ceiling, okay? that's boring. It's a little bit wonky. But in any case, let's listen to what um, Kevin McCarthy had to say. We're going to get to the juicy stuff. A little bit later, but um, let's get to uh, Kevin McCarthy and see what he has to say about the debt ceiling.
4: Leader, Leader you <coughs> mentioned earlier about giving the American people a voice in these negotiations. Are you saying Republicans in the House were cut out of these negotiations, or yes? You, you but, were, but I'm you saying, saying it's more than just.
1: <laughs> I'm saying it's more than just the Republicans in the House. Can you tell me what the baseline they agreed to? Uh, no, I'm asking you no, I know, but I'm asking you a question as a reporter. No, You're an American. Understand.
4: I'm just trying to understand if Republicans were able to be in the room or if they were being cut out of this negotiation.
1: Well, let me be very clear. If you as a reporter that covers the House of Representatives is about to pass trillions of dollars and you don't even know what the baseline is yet and they want to vote on it next week, I don't think it's just us being cut out. I think the American public's being cut out. And if two people who are deciding it aren't going to be held up to the voters, do you feel good about that as an American, not about as a reporter? I don't think anybody in America would feel good about it. Why, if we're going to make a decision on funding government when we have more than a $31 trillion debt, when we spent more than $100 billion in this new fiscal year just on interest alone, we have runaway inflation we haven't seen in 40 years based upon the mismanagement and spending of the Democrats, why would you feel comfortable moving forward that way? I don't think this is a partisan issue. I think this is... It's about saving the country.
3: You know, he had another clip, too, that I want to play. And this one is uh, pretty good. From January 17th, 2023, talking about the debt ceiling. I I like this clip here. Clean clean
5: debt ceiling off
1: the table. I don't see why you would continue the past behavior. I would think for one standpoint, if if you've just talked the question, is a clean debt ceiling well, would that mean we wouldn't do any appropes bills and we just do an omni that we wouldn't even do a budget? Yeah, that's totally off the table. We've got to change... We're just raising the debts in the yeah, conditions. Well, got- no, I mean, well, I don't know if you have any children, but if you had a child and you gave them a credit card and they kept raising it and they hit the limit, so you just raised it again, clean increase, and again, and again, would you just keep doing that or would you change the behavior? We're six months away. Why wouldn't we sit down now and change this behavior that we would put ourselves on a, f- a more fiscally strong position it would make the future generation make our nation stronger make the economics and uh stronger for this country i think that's why we should sit down and i would i would welcome it's the first conversation i had with the president of winning uh, speaker the things i wanted to sit down and talk with him about who wants to put the nation in some type of threat at the last minute of death sitting. Nobody wants to do that. That's why we're asking, let's, let's change our behavior now. Let's sit down. He's the president. We're the majority in the House. The Democrats are the majority in the Senate. And let's exactly the way the founders designed Congress to work, find the compromise, and find the, the common sense compromise that puts us back onto a balanced budget that I believe every household Every state does this, every city, every county. Why would the Democrats sit back and say, just raise it with no discussion? Nobody else can do that, and I don't think the American people want that. Is the focus just on the discretionary side or mandatory well, or you, every kind of I, You've of- got to protect Medicare and Social Security, and the path that the Democrats are going, they're going to go bankrupt. So the thing I look at is, let's sit down and find a place that we can protect Medicare and Social Security for the future generations, let's put our house in order and how we're going to spend, and let's make the investments we need to make America stronger.
3: And part of that sometimes involves a discussion about privatization of those investments, but uh, that's another story for another day. Uh, So, speaking of our children, uh, (laughs) I had this clip last week. I just never had time to play it. I'm going to, and I don't have time to play it today, actually, but better now than ever. So, what a sad state uh, our, con- our, our once great country is in when you have to look to Mr. Rogers for real factual science. Let's take a listen to this.
1: Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Only girls can be the mummies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes. Boys are boys from the beginning.
3: <laughs> yeah. He would get, ban- he would, he would be fired for that <laughs> today. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really sad that we've come so far down this rabbit hole that we're having to even deal with these types of questions about morality and, and truth and this whole thing about trust the science i mean it's just what can you say i mean it's i can't even believe we're having debates about the topics that we actually have to have debates about today like whether a dude can get pregnant or not i mean it to me and we got here because of the nonsense and i was so happy that we were able to play yesterday and go into a deep dive on the history of globalization, because globalization, on its face, is not necessarily a bad thing. The problem <clears throat> was the leadership. Even when in the seventies, it was bound to happen that you would have global trade and access to uh, cheaper labor, and uh, you know, with the emergence of shipping lanes and. And uh securing the seas and uh with the advancements of a- air a- aircraft and um <clears throat> and efficiency and then um and as we evolve and build better transportation networks, but then the internet came along, and you just knew we were going to be off to the races at that point, and it was going to change everything and that's true and that's fine. But if you have good stewardship, just like we said, we agreed to the Patriot Act for a minute, but then Obama took it and to a whole new level and weaponized it against uh, American citizens. And what we've seen is the weaponization uh, between profiteers in government and profiteers in corporations getting together at the World Economic Forum to basically control a certain group of population that hates them and rightfully so because we had bad leadership where you know i grew up in the ohio valley and when that when those jobs left left manufacturing and it became a wasteland like detroit for example is another good example they they went overseas and you know one thing Japan does is desourcing where they actually that's the reason why you had Nissan and Toyota they had a manpower shortage uh they had a population decline and what they decided to do is outsource their their manpower by putting up plants in America <clears throat> and that was a welcome thing and <clears throat> there's a lot of winning ways to go about these things but just seeing the train wrecks coming um, the inevitability is coming so today we could look at the same thing and we could say okay well automation's an inevitability but we could we could slow that down by making better choices minimum raising the minimum wage is an acceleration of automation not the reverse so we're not ready for full-blown automation our job market certainly isn't and so we have leadership that's not fully understanding these things that are happening. Automation's one thing um, but these global markets you know uh, the, but but the climate regulation's nonsense because we're hundreds of years away from any kind of crisis, and we should have per- we should be able to perfect these things in a capitalistic, competitive market system, and keep the government's grummy paws out of those competitions, and we would be better off. So as I mentioned, Donald Trump is reportedly preparing to come back to Twitter and Facebook after being reinstated. Of course, that was an inevitable so let's take a listen to what's going on at the World Economic Forum. Klaus Schwab he's afraid of our resistance. Davos, 2023. So let's take a listen. I can thank just
5: you. Work with thank you, you. Thank and you. Ask oh, for I things.
0: think we're gonna we're gonna rush actually. But thank you. Uh, Thanks very
2: much. Uh, but, uh, which which
3: uh, media are you with?
6: Uh, I am an independent journalist Indian. from yeah, Japan. Yeah, no, thank you. Very much. <laughs> yes, I. Have to
3: um, <laughs> you. Goodbye. Bye bye. You know which media are you with, right?
5: Thanks, for, for Thank you. you. <coughs> uh, but uh, I, I want to ask thank just you. just one more question. Thank
3: you. And they're with their fancy limousines. Somebody tweeted uh, out, I'm there at Davos no and all they eat is milk. Yeah, thank you. Yet.
5: No, sorry, we're in a big rush. We've got so many things tonight. But for us, but thank it's very precious. Uh, I, I know, I know. Yeah. you can. has got so many people stopping oh, that yeah. if you were to stop for everything, yeah, we win. That's the unfortunate. So I'm very sorry. But thank you. Uh, but thank you for trying. Do, do you know thank the you. voice that uh, worry
7: about globalism? Thank you. Yeah, I
3: mean,
4: Nice evening. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.
3: and they're off now in a very fancy gas guzzling car. I mean, this car looks like it's a $200,000 limo, right? Um all right, so let's take a listen to this Rebel News. I got to give Rebel News and uh Ezra Levon uh some kudos for their coverage. At Davos. Thank goodness for Rebel News.
6: This is Callum Smiles, Rebel News, just outside the Belvedere Hotel in Davos, Switzerland, where Larry Fink just walked into after having a brief interaction with myself. I say brief because it was very much a one way conversation. I couldn't get anything out of him despite answering what I thought was simple questions, mainly asking him why he's here and why BlackRock are so. Influential when it comes to global policy. Here you go, Larry Fink. Do you mind if I get a quick word? We have to, go to a meeting. Thank you. But where's the meeting? Can we walk with you? No. Um, Larry Fink, why, why does an unelected person like yourself, who's at the you know, on the board of the WEF, despite just being a senior member of staff at BlackRock, why do you have such a large say? on the direction of global policy. No comment? Um, Can you tell us what you're doing here today? Come on, Larry, play nice. Can you just answer that one question for me? Surely if you have such a big say in what happens in the world, you should surely be able to tell us why you're here, why you're doing it. If this is for the benefit of the world, why can't you tell us? You. Is it because what you're doing is
3: nefarious? Well, and it goes on like that, right? So he's walking along in the snow. He could slip and fall. I mean, it's a dangerous job. Uh, meanwhile, here's the thing. It's it's not like a lot of what they're talking about isn't being pushed down our throats through the governments. It's obvious that the connections and the words on display are actually happening in real life. People truly are losing their careers, getting locked up and thrown in jail, getting bullet, uh, plastic bullets shot in their face and all kinds of things in these mandates and lockdowns and restrictions and regulations that are being advanced and propagated by Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. And so it really is a danger, dangerous thing. And they're, they're exploiting the, the, what we talked about yesterday, the globalization of the world, the inevitabilities of these things. But there's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. And the way that the World Economic Forum is going about things is absolutely wrong. It's to, to, totalitarianism. It's tyranny. And no one elected them. But they're taking charge and there seems to be a lot of Germans, a lot of former a lot of Germans with Nazism in their family history that never learned their lessons.
2: We do not yet know the full extent and the systemic and structural changes which will happen. However, we do know that global energy systems, food systems, and supply chains. Will be deeply affected.
3: All right. So again, listen.
2: Systems, food systems, and supply chains will be deep systems, food systems, and supply chains. Do you know that global energy systems, food systems, and supply supply chains will be deep?
3: Energy, food, supply. Do you know what impacts food and supply? Fertilizer plants that are burning up. The internet. So he didn't mention the internet, but that seems to be the centerpiece of the 2023. Let's take a listen. Because we remember the 201 event in October 2019 when they talked about COVID, which then happened about 30 days later. It was a dress rehearsal. I believe that this is a dress rehearsal for the next attack which is a cyber attack. And let me tell you something. A cyber attack will shut off your energy. It'll shut off your ability to travel. A cyber attack will shut off the GPS systems. It'll shut down flight traffic. It will shut down your ability to buy foods. And the problem with it is this. I said, they attacked your health with COVID, energy with climate, money with CBDCs, disrupted supply chains causing shortages. And currently, and this is what is scary, folks, is that Amazon, Twitter, and Facebook, guess what they're all doing? They're all laying off employees. Currently, Current Amazon, Twitter, Facebook layoffs are pre- preparation for the next global crisis to crush their only opposition, the working middle class. This is going to shut down the banks. This is going to shut down supply chains. This is going to uh, disrupt food, uh, cause food shortages, uh, your ability to travel and fly. And <clears throat> I guess it's all in the name of climate? How, why in the world would we expect? And by the way, nothing for nothing. But you recall the FAA shutdown uh, last week? Tucker Carlson actually had a good uh, piece on this. And he said the same thing happened a week later in Canada. And he attributed that to the, the coincidence is just too, you know it's too remarkable. The coincidence is too remarkable. It's got to be hackers hacking into our FAA systems, our flight data systems, and extorting for money. And then the problem gets resolved. But how in the world did it happen in the Philippines? And then it happened in the United States. Then it happened in Canada. Why is this happening like that? They have different systems. That These things never happen. And it's because hackers were able to hack in to America and Canada's FAA systems and the Philippines. Maybe they weren't able to get into the European system. And who knows what kind of payoffs we've been paying off these hackers? But these cyber attacks and the—you know—I mean, it's no wonder that Bill Gates is at the head of the global agenda. And, you know, he's capable of thinking of things like this. The only way they're going to get the middle class to comply is to either force feed them, which Bill Gates is on record recently as saying one thing about putting vaccines in food supply is, is that it gets rid of the vaccine hesitancy. Think about that statement for a second. He made that statement. And the same thing is, if they can crush you, then your next bet is that you're going to be begging for mercy, that you're going to be begging for food, that you're going to be begging for shelter, that you're going to be begging for a crumb. And it's at that moment that you're not going to ever question whether to take the vaccine or not. If your only other option is death or jail or sleep or shelter or food for your children. I mean, it's getting to that point. Listen to this guy talk about, like, remember when Fauci said, I guarantee there's going to be a pandemic in the next year? Well, I mean, how do you know that? Fauci's about as dumb as a rock. He's the one that killed a whole bunch of people with the AIDS uh, vaccines, or AIDS uh, medicines. Well, let's take a listen to this.
8: We're here today to share the findings of the World Economic Forum's uh, Global Security Outlook uh, Report 2023. This is a result of uh, research in collaboration with the forum's communities and our partner Accenture, which we've... Uh, interviewed and sought input from over 300 executives globally the most striking finding that we found is that 93 percent of cyber leaders and 86 percent of cyber business leaders believe that the geopolitical instability makes a catastrophic cyber event likely in the next two years we're here today
3: so they're warning you 93 986 they could say any number they want we all know that ninety seven percent of the scientists were all paid off, and they pushed climate change down our throats. We all know that ninety seven percent or ninety seven percent of the intelligence community got it wrong when it came to the Russian hoax. We all know that you could buy ninety seven percent of anything. Those percentages mean nothing when you know that the people that they were asking. We're all probably from the World Economic Forum straw poll. And they're all thinking alike like zombies, like socialist dictators. That's what they do. And you get whack jobs like Al Gore unhinged at the world causing that these informed. waves of
8: climate refugees <laughs> predicted to reach one billion in this century look at the xenophobia and how- political authority
3: how many times has this guy been wrong about every prediction he's ever made
8: Aryan trends that have come from just a few million refugees what about a billion we would lose our capacity for self-governance on this world we have to act so in answer to your question i would say we have to have a sense of urgency much greater than we have yet had, and we need have had, and we need to make some changes of the land and create-
3: He's a whack job. That just sounds wacky. So listen to this. This is kind of an interesting thing. This is sort of a spoof that was put together. It says, "Wouldn't it be cool if you could ask Elon Musk that question in Davos without leaving your uh, room?" And the question was. Uh, Klaus Schwab opens a 2023 Economic Forum annual meeting with a call to master the future. Uh, and uh, someone writes, I'm skeptical of anything that can't be explained in a sentence. What exactly do they do? And um, it says, uh, wouldn't it be cool if you could ask Elon question- that question? Okay, let's listen. This sounds a lot like what I've been saying all along about the World Economic Forum. Let's take a listen.
1: Mr. Musk, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today in Davos. What does the WEF do and why? In one sentence, please. Uh, Okay. The WEF brings together political and business elites
8: to create policies that benefit their interests. How's that for a sentence? It's exactly what it looks like a powerful corporate lobby that seeks to influence policy and shape the global economy. It's pretty straightforward. It's what it looked like the whole time.
3: (laughs) That's true. That's absolutely true. I agree with that 100%. All right, so Jacinda Dern, she sounds a little bit broken up about having to resign. Let's take a listen.
5: And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. And then my term as Prime Minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February.
3: <laughs> yep. That's a big win for freedom. Trust me. Um, And, uh, you know, it doesn't seem coincidental that Jen Saki POTUS spokesperson, and, uh Jacinda Ardern of New Zealand said essentially the same thing in the same 24-hour period. Uh, the government will tell you what the truth is. Okay, so let's take a listen to what Jacinda Ardern said. Okay, first. All right, let's take a listen to this one.
5: we will share with you the most up-to-date information daily. You can trust us as a source of that information. Uh, you can also trust the Director General of Health and the Ministry of Health. For that information, do feel free to visit at any time to clarify any rumour you may hear, covid19.govt.nz. Otherwise, dismiss anything else. We will continue to be your single source of truth. We will provide information frequently. We will share everything we can, uh, everything you are, else you see, um, a grain of salt. uh.
3: Oops, we got a lot of And
5: look, that's the kind of thing that adds um, to the anxiety that people feel. So I continue to share the message New Zealanders must prepare, but do not panic, prepare. And and when you see those messages, remember that unless you hear it from us, um, it is not the truth. And I really ask people just visit um, uh, COVID19.govt.nz. It has all of the up-to-date information.
3: So if you don't hear it from us, it's not the truth. OK, so this is what us was saying.
5: People who are vaccinated will still get COVID-19. Um, it just means that they won't get sick and they and they won't die.
3: That was false. Okay, patently false. So she gave... But here's Jen Psaki saying the same thing. From the uh, of with side. these
0: social media platforms uh, and those uh, engagements typically happen through members of our senior staff, but also members of our COVID-19 team. Uh, given as Dr. Mur- Mar- Murthy uh, conveyed, uh, this is a big issue of misinformation specifically on the pandemic. In terms of actions, Alex, that uh, we have taken or we're working to take, I should say, from the federal government, uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office we're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation we're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content so we're helping get trusted content out there we also created the COVID 19 the COVID community corps to get factual information into the hands of local messengers and we're also investing uh, as you all have seen in the president's, the vice president's, and Dr. Fauci's time in meeting with, uh, with...
3: All right, so they wanted you all to get the vax, right? Remember that? They wanted to get that number up really high, take the vax. Well, listen to Mark Zuckerberg, August 2021. Zuckerberg warned staff not to take vaccine, yet continue advocating it to the masses. Listen. Um, I, I share some caution on this
8: because... Um, we just don't know the long-term side effects of, of basically modifying people's um, DNA and RNA to um, to directly encode in a person's DNA and, and RNA, basically the ability to um,
3: to, to produce uh, those antibodies and whether that causes other mutations or other risks down um, downstream. So, um, so that was Mark Zuckerberg talking to his staff saying, don't take the vaccine, but continue censoring people who push the narrative uh, of skepticism pretty crazy isn't it and getting back to Jacinda Z- Zir, uh, Ardern, our darn let's listen
4: maybe because she's also so strict on information is another reason that you oh, haven't heard about this i was wondering when addressing the united nations recently she said that online speech is a weapon and should be regulated like a weapon by all politicians listen
5: after all the face of war has changed and with that the weapons used. The tools used to challenge the statehood of others are hidden and more complex. Traditional combat, espionage, and the threat of nuclear weapons are now accompanied by cyber attacks, prolific disinformation, and manipulation of whole communities and societies. Now, as leaders, we have never treated the weapons of old in the same way as those that have emerged. And that's understandable. After all, a bullet takes a life. A bomb takes out a whole village. A lie online or from a podium does not. But what if that lie, told repeatedly and across many platforms, prompts, inspires or motivates others to take up arms, to threaten the security of others, to turn a blind eye to atrocities, or worse, to become complicit in them? What then? This is no longer a hypothetical. The weapons of war have changed. They are upon us and require the same level of action and activity that we put into the weapons of old –
6: and then right after that speech, I just learned she went and had a wine and cheese hour with Justin Trudeau.
4: Oh, okay. Uh, too popular if you're talking about, no girl, no. After I heard, that my daughter's like, what are you watching? This is what I was watching.
5: And that's why on Pandemic Preparedness, we support efforts to develop a new global health legal instrument. Strengthened international health regulations and a strong and empowered world health organization.
4: No. Nope. No, I don't like any of those words. (laughs) Yeah, of course
3: not. (laughs) That's just crazy talk right there. And then here's another funny one. Uh, This is a woman uh, I like to listen to. Uh, Her name is Panahy. Rena Panahy. Now to
4: Jacinda Ardern, who, according to recent polls, looks like she's in all sorts of trouble in New Zealand. But there will surely be a role for her at the UN or World Economic Forum. It's a little wonder that speech was described variously as disturbing, dystopian and dangerous. As Nick Cater wrote superbly in The Australian Today, Ardern's speech to the UN was a masterpiece of muddle-headed moral equivalence. It wove terrorism, nuclear war, the invasion of Ukraine and climate scepticism into a single threat to humanity demanding global action. Yes, Ardern wants to control the information you have access to. She looks at the internet as a weapon of war that requires the same level of action and activity as the old weapons of war. Remember when she claimed that her government was the single source of truth on COVID-19? Dismiss anything else.
3: We heard that Um, already. But uh, in any case, you get the idea. She is bad news. She is a perfect reflection of the world economic forum and what they stand for she's also a perfect mirror image of someone like justin trudeau and joe biden these are tyrannical messed up in the head people Uh, i want to take a listen to um uh well a couple of clips from uh tucker carlson if we can and um We're going to do that now. All right. So let's take a listen to his open with regard to World Economic Forum. Let's take a listen to this.
8: Been paying attention for the past five or six years, and we know you have been, you've probably noticed the inverted nature of modern language. Pretty much everything is precisely the opposite of what they claim it is. So the people who tell you they're defending democracy are promoting authoritarianism, which is not democracy. Then the Black Lives Matter movement winds up killing black people. Who would have seen that coming? Then our public health authorities make the population sicker. And, and this is our new favorite, the so-called World Economic Forum seems to exist to destroy national economies. Not an overstatement. It was the WEF, keep in mind, that told the government of Sri Lanka to give up modern fertilizer. Oh, good plan, guys. Go ahead and try it. Result? The country collapsed and people starved. Then it was the WEF that promoted Sam Bankman-Fried's historic Ponzi, The biggest financial fraud in history, apparently the savants at the World Economic Forum, just couldn't tell that this twitchy, pill-popping kid in cargo shorts, who literally played video games during interviews, was an utterly transparent scammer. They had no idea. They thought he was a genius, just like them. And of course, it was the WEF that predicted the COVID lockdowns would, quote, quietly improve cities, not turn them into ominous hellscapes of unemployment, drug addiction, and crime. It seemed like a good plan at the time. Hey, I've got an idea. Let's prevent people from working. That'll make them rich. It'll quietly improve life for everyone. That's the World Economic Forum for you. The WEF is often described as a group of supervillains, but they're also hilariously idiotic. Not just evil, buffoonish. And by the way, they know it. They're smart enough to be embarrassed anyway. The WEF has since deleted its tweet about COVID lockdowns. It has memory hold its promotion of scammer Sam Bankman fried It has conveniently forgotten all about its guidance on Sri Lankan fertilizer, on which it turns out the WEF is not an expert. None of that ever happened. The slate is clean. So we're ready for yet another World Economic Forum annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland, which is underway right now. The event kicked off this week with 84-year-old Klaus Schwab. He's the founder of the WEF, promising to, quote, master the future. We couldn't meet at a more challenging time.
2: We are confronted with so many crises simultaneously. What does it need to master the future? I think to have a platform where all stakeholders of global society
8: are engaged. We must master the future. (laughs) Master the future. (laughs) So mastering the future is now the top item on the to-do list at the World Economic Forum this year. That's the first clue these people are not living the same life you are. By the end of this week, you hope to find some time to get an oil change or maybe pick up some dandruff shampoo at Rite Aid. At the World Economic Forum, they plan to master the future. That's the kind of people they are. How are they going to do it, by the way? Well, they're going to do it with John Kerry, who, despite physical appearances, is still alive. Kerry will be 80 years old this year. So it goes without saying that if he's going to master the future, he'd better hurry. Thankfully, or are a select group of human beings, John Kerry tells the attendees of the World Economic Forum, who honestly did not need to be reminded of that. People may say we're crazy, tree-hugging, liberal do-gooders, but we know the truth which is that actually we're soulless greed head money worshippers who'd sell our own children to China for a big enough tax credit. Shout out to you, Larry Fink in the third row. Catch you at the sushi bar. They're not economic migrants, flinging the squalor of Tegucigalpa for the generous social services. of.
3: So I wanted to get that in. Um, he he played a couple of clips. I skipped over them that we played yesterday, actually. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the John Kerry saying he's one of a select few people that saving the world, uh, yeah, just absolutely crazy, crazy talk. Um, and then I wanted to play this clip uh, from a comedian that uh, I wanted to play this clip last week. Actually, it came out last week, and uh, I want to play it for you. This week. And some rare good or news today. the
8: appalling Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda.
3: No no, 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 that's not the clip. Right here. Okay, sorry.
8: New York Post is reporting tonight that the crowds of prostitutes who have flooded into. Oh, Dallas, yeah, that's yeah, the other
3: big thing. To service the sad
8: elderly men who falsely believe they run the world have upped their prices, and that some of these prostitutes are charging up to $2,500. That means at least somebody's betting benefiting from the World Economic Forum. we well, may have seen this video online. It is everywhere. Recently, the Oxford Union, the debating society in Oxford, England, held a debate on wokeness. And from out of nowhere, a podcast host and comedian called Constantine Kissin defied the odds and won over the audience on a college campus with force and brilliance.
7: And if you're wondering how he did it, here's how. This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions. Which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. You know why? Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people who couldn't give a about saving the planet. 120 million people in China do not have enough food. I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. You're not going to get them to stay poor. And the only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims, to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings... We know that the way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that.
8: Now, you'll notice if you watch that video that he's not reading that, there's no teleprompter. He's ad libbing that whole thing that is right off the top of his head. That's not easy. Constantin Kisson is the co-host of the Trigonometry podcast. He joins us tonight. Sure appreciate your coming on. I think the video of your remarks at the Oxford Union has been shared more than you know, anything on social media in the U.S. in a, in a long time. How, how was the response to what you said?
7: Uh, it was great. Uh, I think people really enjoyed it. And I think it's partly because people are fed up of wokeness, as of course you know. But I think also there's another thing going on, Tucker. We live in a society in which adults are afraid of children, and young yes. people in particular. And so when you see somebody who is an adult talking to young people and being straight with them and saying, look, if you care about certain issues in the world, if you care about climate change or racial injustice or whatever, whining and complaining is not going to fix that problem. That We need young people to step up and actually work and build and create things. And as I said in the speech, to, to create the technology and the science that is going to help solve all the problems of the future. So I think that's one of the reasons it's gone... Uh, Uh, so viral. And the feedback has been incredible. I really haven't received any negative feedback at all. It's been very, very positive. So I'm very grateful for that. Well, we're grateful to see it
8: because, I mean, first of all, you made a rational fact-based case, which is always assuring to see. It's wonderful to see someone making an argument and you did, but it's the first time in a long time I've ever, I've seen somebody directly challenge the prevailing view on campus and not
7: get shouted down. How did that happen? Well, as you say, I think I made a rational argument. And I think this is the thing that I've been thinking about a lot. You know, uh, we spoke a few years ago, and as a comedian, I was concerned about the erosion of free speech and the censorship, particularly in this country in the UK. But as we've interviewed people in trigonometry, as we've spoken to some of the greatest minds, you know, the Jordan Petersons of the world and many others, what I've started to realize is that this ideology, wokeness, is fundamentally anti-human. And the narrative goes something like this. You know, we are evil, particularly Westerners, especially... You know, straight white men like you, but actually all of us are evil and we must be punished. And that's why some of the solutions that we're being offered to the issue of climate change don't seem to make much sense. I don't really see how making pensioners in Britain freeze to death over the winter is going to solve the problem of climate change or indeed impoverishing people in India and China. And I think actually we've got to believe that young people are persuadable. We've got to make rational arguments to them. Uh, And that is, I think, the way uh, to, to deal with many of these problems. We've got to young people to step up and be better.
3: You know what's interesting about that too is when he said about freezing people to make them believe climate is real. Um that almost reminds me of that whole campaign where they said if uh, covid vaccine deniers or vaccine uh skeptics um we need to make their life miserable is what they were saying. We need to make their life doubly worse. In order for them to uh, come to reason and take the vaccine, which was all part of a, a vaccine mandate social credit score system, that's what they're pushing. And so what he's saying there is this, in part, is to, to make you feel the weather, to make you feel like climate is an issue uh, by being cold and freezing or super hot because you can't run your air conditioner, um, somehow then you'll be more woke, uh, woke and awake to the climate problem. Uh, because, you know, the air conditioner makes you feel like it's not hot out. The heater makes you feel like it's not cold out. So make you feel that weather will make that weather problem omnipresent. I, I believe that's part of the conditioning of people. They did it under COVID. They're doing it under climate. And how about that? Well, in any case, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today uh, to the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out buglecall.org. And if you click on About, you can meet the board and you can see our entire board, uh, including my picture and everybody's pictures are up in our little bios that we have. So be sure to check that out. Make a donation if you can. It helps us out. Also, use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye,
1: everybody. to buddy.